Hey, Christy, before we're going to podcast, I got a bone to pick with you. Stop right there, Mambo. When we're gearing up, it's call signs only. Okay, juice. That's right. I'm freshly squeezed, and don't you ever forget it. Now, why are you clacking your jaws? We have some pods to cast. That's just it, Juice. You're a danger to everyone when you're in the booth. You're a maverick. You don't think. You slide from one topic to the next at the speed of light. You're playing with fire. Oh, yeah? Well, you think too much. It's all jazz when you're on the mic, baby. You can't think if you think you're dead air. You gotta Feel the banter, the rhythm. Podcasting isn't for eggheads, nerd. It's for dancers. If you're not light on your feet, so to speak, you're orally dead in the water. Dang it, Juice, that's no way to behave. You're going to get one of us canned one of these days. Who's going to watch your pop filter when you spout off witty remarks? You, Mambo. It's always going to be you. I might be a hothead, but we make a hell of a team in there. Now suit up. This cast isn't going to pot itself. If you say so, Juice, let's enter the danger zone and talk about comics. Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our second of our three-part coverage of DC's The New Frontier, covering issues three and four. Uh, a, this is kind of a, what we affectionately call the gooey center. Yep, we yep. love a good gooey center. <laughs> we do. Mm-hmm. Not many crossovers get that gooey center. Normally, like a one or two parter, but this one, this one's got this that 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 nice, slightly raw center that you really look for. <laughs> Just a slightly raw center. <laughs> you know, when I cook up a nice piece of chicken, <laughs> you all it. I'm looking for is a raw center. <laughs> Yep, when you make a nice loaf of bread, all I really want oh. is that that raw center. Oh. oh, I just press in and it stays there. <laughs> Doesn't even bounce back. I want it to kind of be sticky. <laughs> I want to eat bread and it feel like I don't need to add honey to it. It's, it's already wet. It's already wet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still getting into my Top Gun voice. <laughs> is wet bread like the sloppy steaks of, of Chris's Honey <laughs> Bananas? <laughs> Just, just, just pouring the water on the bread, or just yeah, just just making a dough that's just extra wet and underbaking it. <laughs> the equivalent of like taking the crusts off a piece of white bread and rolling it into a ball for a snack. People would do that, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know I've done it at least once. I'm in sure my our life. listeners are screaming at me. You know, you you all have a nice time. It's just. <laughs> That was uh, that was not the way that I liked to eat bread in in pellet form. <laughs> Please take your carbo supplement. Uh, oh, I swear there was a Garfield sketch or like cartoon once, like not like a strip. I think it was in one of the shows where they put Garfield on a diet and he took a pill 
And it was all of the nutrition that he needed, like all of the food just condensed down into a pill. And that's all Garfield got. And I just, I always thought, wouldn't it be so handy to just condense your meals down into this tiny little pellet form that you just swallow? It's like so low effort, no cooking, like for when you're really on the go. I mean, the equivalent of that is like when that guy made Soylent. Right. That, like drink thing. I is... never tried it, but I was interested. I did try it. Remember I bought it? No, I don't remember you, don't you remember? bought. I bought the coffee. No, there was a coffee version. Did. It was That's coffee right. and meal. <sighs> There's just something about it. Like you drank it and your stomach felt very heavy, but in a way that was like so unfamiliar. I was like, this is kind of slightly uncomfortable. I really like food, but I also sometimes just need nutrition to be convenient. Uh-huh. That was not a good solution. If somebody's got the Garfield solution, please let me know. I mean, I can roll up bread into a ball for you if you'd like. I don't think I would like. <laughs> it could just be a really big pill. I just think like I just want it in swallowable. Here's size. what we do: we put we put a little bit of meat and cheese. Okay, so we have a cube of cheese. Uh-huh. Drill a hole in it. Mm. Put a little bit of like of like snack stick meat in the center of it. <laughs> right. Put that like somehow manage to cover that in a Brussels sprout. Cover that in the bread ball. That's complete nutrition. Can we fry it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we sure can. <laughs> so everybody can just... <laughs> now that our readers are probably not doing so well, maybe we should actually get into this comic book. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and start our summary. DC The New Frontier, written and drawn by Darwin Cook, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Jared K. Fletcher, edited by Mark Chiarello and Valerie de Orazio. Issue 3. We open as our old pal Ace Morgan, along with Matthew Ryan, Professor Walter Haley, and Rocky Davis, miraculously survive an absolutely awful plane crash, only to find themselves drawn back to the crash after much time. They decide it's fate. And go grab a beer. Carol Ferris offers Hal a job over dinner, and he is a very successful flirt. The KKK burn down the house of one John Wilson, who barely survives a lynching attempt and vows revenge. Later, he's seen wearing a black hood and creating a massive steel hammer. In New York City, Task Force X defeats a rampaging pterodactyl, but not before losing their comrade Hugh Evans, who sacrifices himself to stop said pterosaur. At his funeral, Rick Flagg tells his comrades of Dinosaur Island. Hal drives to Ferris Aircraft later, only to be greeted by Rick Flagg, who explains that Ferris Aircraft is currently running a project overseen by the U.S. Air Force. Time passes and Hal runs odd training maneuvers from Ferris Aircraft that lead Hal to believe he is being groomed for a spaceflight mission. Meanwhile, his feelings for Carol deepen and his feelings for Flagg, uh, don't. Between missions, Hal learns about Task Force X, about how each of their members has some specific traumas, but mainly about how Flag feels a massive sense of guilt over those that he lost in World War II. Back in Tennessee, the very same KKK members burn down a black church and shoot its escaping members, only to be confronted by John Wilson, now known as John Henry, a man with two big hammers. John Jones, in disguise, of course, goes to the movies where he sees a film about Martians and wonders about man's hatred 
For that, it doesn't understand. He also sees newsreels about the challengers of the unknown, those guys who survived the plane crash, and Superman, who he admires. He heads back to his apartment and finds Batman waiting for him. After their defeat of the cult that worshipped the center, similar incidents are happening all over the world. Batman gives John a medallion he took off the cult leader, saying that John is ideal to investigate this. He also knows John isn't human and knows his weakness is fire. In D.C., Eisenhower gives Wonder Woman the Congressional Medal of Diplomatic Citizenship, and she begins to give a speech about issues in Vietnam before being shushed and then told to take a vacation by the president. Hal is shown into a bunker by Carol, where a huge research area awaits. Hal is astonished and soon meets with King Faraday, the head of the project. Long story short, the U.S. wants to use the rocket tech procured from Axis scientists like Von Braun to perform manned spaceflight after discovering things like evidence of John Johns on Earth. Faraday explains that Task Force X has two divisions, Argent, which is covert ops, and the Suicide Squad, which replaces all the caped heroes being arrested by special ops. Okay. The operation is known as Flying Cloud, and after Hal complains that it seems like he's just there to test equipment, Faraday tells him the plan is to send people to Mars. John Jones heads to the Gotham PD, where he grabs the Center Cult's book, which is locked, and uses the medallion as a key to open it. He can't read much of it, but sees a paragraph talking of an old story where a Viking prince accidentally washed up on an island of large beasts. John notices a drawing of a dark force, and when he touches the drawing, he gets a shock realizing whatever force is already here on Earth. Issue 4. In Central City, the Flash stops an attack by Gorilla Grodd, only to find it's a robot duplicate created by the government to trap the Flash. King Faraday attempts to tranquilize Barry, but he phases through the net and runs away. At a car show, Hal and Carol meet with Ace and also the newest challenger, June Robbins. After musing on John Henry and his heroics, John Jones is called into an interrogation of a man who shot a cop and his own mother. He worked for Ferris Aircraft, but upon discovering the truth about Martians, he went mad. The interrogation is interrupted by King Faraday, who nabs the man and leaves, but not before John reads Faraday's mind and discovers the U.S. government knows he's here. Hal is taken off the flight team after showboating a bit too much and ticking off flag. He'll sadly be on mission control. John Henry, back in Tennessee, is wounded in his fight with the KKK and is found while trying to hide by a white girl who, instead of helping him, calls for the Klan. It's later stated on a radio show that he was killed by the Klan, and John Jones is very shocked by his death. Superman flies to Paradise Island, where Wonder Woman meets him and explains that she left the U.S. after the government wanted her to betray her ideals. She says the U.S. needs ideals rather than an administration, which bums Superman out. The Flash retires on national television, feeling betrayed by the U.S. John, now very dispirited, decides to try to leave Earth. That night, he and Commissioner Gordon call Batman, and John gives him all the information on the center. Batman calls someone up, saying that he needs to meet them to discuss. At Ferris Aircraft, the launch is ready to begin, and Hal apologizes to Flag and wishes him well in space. Before the launch, Faraday notices John Jones trying to sneak aboard. Faraday corners him, but John incapacitates the man, forcing himself to abandon his plans to leave for Mars and save the unconscious Faraday from the rocket. 
Later, John is imprisoned in an Air Force base, and Faraday asks John why he saved him. John explains that he doesn't like anyone to be hurt, and ultimately Faraday is a good person. King is suddenly called away back to Ferris, though. The craft is in trouble as one of the crew tried to sabotage the spacecraft due to <sighs> mental illness, and he was shot into space. Flag and the other member, Karen Grace, are set to burn up in the atmosphere with some issue about cargo. Flag explains to Hal that he kicked him off the mission because Flag served with Hal's dad in World War II, and he was worried Hal would die in the mission. The Challengers of the Unknown launch from their mountain with a plan to snag the rocket. Faraday tells the Challengers to absolutely not help, but they basically ignore him. Faraday calls in the big guy, which is, of course, Superman. It turns out the cargo is some horrifying weapons which were to be used against the Martians. But obviously, if they fall back to Earth, bad stuff will happen. Happen. Red Ryan and Rocky Davis of the Challengers are shot out in missiles where they pop out and try to tow the rocket. It definitely doesn't seem to work, and Flag and Karen decide to destroy the rocket to prevent a catastrophe. They sacrifice themselves, and the rocket blows up, and Superman arrives just in time to save Ryan and Davis. At Ferris, Hal meets his technician, Tom Kalmaku, and asks him for a second with the simulator. He has a bum out about never going to space when suddenly a green light appears and Carol arrives to find Hal gone, with a massive hole left in the ceiling. All right, Christy, what do you think about these these central issues of DC colon the new frontier? Our gooey center, I feel like we're I'm finally getting a sense of what the overarching plot of this series is. Yeah, it stops being really vignette-y. I mean, it still does to some extent, like, but I feel like the main plots start to coalesce into, like, Hal's stuff and John's stuff. Right. Those seem to be kind of our front-runner leading characters with Mm. some supporting cast from Batman and Superman and The Flash and Wonder Woman. Like, it's interesting that they are the supporting characters in this, somewhat. It is really interesting. And then you kind of get the, the the story that literally starts and ends in two issues, which is the, the John Henry story. Right. Which it is it is somewhat unfortunate that the only story so far featuring a character of color is like is like such like a like kind of told over and over again like racism trauma story as opposed to him mm-hmm. having like any other motivation. That once again we have using racial slurs like just dropped into the comic in- yeah that that is kind of a, a thing with new frontier i think you someone someone would probably argue that it's being quote-unquote authentic i do not think that's a very good argument right like it i don't know it feels like it's there for some sort of shock value and because like- it's and it's never like with the exception of when Hal calls his technician a slur at the end and the technician like threatens to beat him up. Right. Like it is all, it almost goes like unremarked upon. So it's not like being used for like a, I mean, I don't know if there would really be a good reason, but it's not, it's not used for, it just feels insufficient. Like it's, it feels like it's there for like period. Like. Right. Right. And we talked about that last episode and I, I just, just needed noted right here at the beginning that I don't know that any of that needed to be there. Yeah. To um, tell this story. Like, do we not know it's 50s enough? Like, right. It is so very evident 
Right. Um, like, yeah, I know. Okay. So with that addressed yep. and with that in mind, the inclusion of that story, the John Henry story in the overarching plot seemed to only be there as an event to kind of shape John John's perception of our world. Yes. It, it, he has this, he, at one point he goes to like the new, to like the movies and sees a newsreel and sees a movie about Martians. And he's like, oh, they would absolutely not trust me because they fear what's different. And then later, like that kind of gets remarked upon, which is like, uh. <laughs> right. Like now the, you, the character of John Henry seems to try to be a play on steel, who is a character who debuted in the nineties and one of the like reign of the, he was one of the Superman that showed up in reign of the Superman. He made himself like an armor. He's got a big hammer. Okay. He's in John Henry irons. Okay. Yeah. So there was not like a John Henry nope. silver age comic. Or this something. is, this is a completely new character for this story based off of a character that existed in the nineties going forward. Man, I do not know if that needed to be there. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to like, Right. Okay. Moving on from that story. I, 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 I think it's ill-advised, but obviously, like, we're not super well, like, equipped to We're talk white, about the so, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I cannot fully speak to all of the nuances of that story's inclusion, but to me, it feels unnecessary. It's, it's, it feels exploitative to me. That's a really good word for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I hate that we have to like Hal. I kind of hate it. <laughs> <laughs> You've re- like they make him so likable. Like he, it, it's like they take key aspects of his personality and don't really remark upon them in this. Like mm-hmm. the fact that he's like such like an alpha male kind of jerk in a lot of stuff and thinks like he knows everything. He is so he is humbled so often in this story that mm-hmm. you like kind of have to root for him a little bit. Right. He feels like an underdog, even if he is kind of like creepily. I, I don't know. Creep me out that he hit on his employer like that that is fair i think that the way they did it makes it feel really smooth rather than sleazy but right because she's she's very competent and very aware of his tactics and it's like yeah no i'm still interested in you right it it remarks upon that she she's not she still feels like she is in a position of authority the entire time right so that that was at least nicely done i feel like they they don't get a lot of time for chemistry though a lot of it relies upon you knowing that these two are supposed to be together, I feel like. Right. Maybe I'm like just maybe my mind is like throwing those out. Now, the scene where they like are at dinner and then mm-hmm. order champagne, like pretty pretty decent chemistry scene. I think All the, right. the that's art- their first interaction. Okay, we established they have chemistry and they never have to again. A little bit. And I, <laughs> you know, there's just maybe there's just so much going on. There is a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I got a little bit lost with the uh, the the challengers. So, uh, the the I thought this part was always a little like a lot of New Frontier relies upon you knowing stuff, right? And I was not, like, okay, this is something. This is a reference that I'm supposed to know and understand that I do not. The Challengers of the Unknown was a comic book from the fifties that Jack Kirby did. Okay, and it is it is basically four dudes doing like exploration stuff. They don't have superpowers. It's very it it is like proto Fantastic Four mm. in terms of like the tone, but without the superpowers. They were they were supposed to just be like 
this is probably a bad comparison, but did you ever watch something like Johnny Quest? I'm familiar with the name, but I don't okay, remember just watching like, it. Like adventure, like science yeah. adventurers. I I like this. That's great. Maybe maybe at some point you could read some old Challengers of the Unknown. But I'm sure like, I, I would... won't. I won't do it. Oh, I was gonna say I love. I love like Silver Age stuff. It's hilarious you do, to read. It, it is for, I, for a woman who who very much cues in on things like the like horrifying sexism of comic books. Somehow, Silver Age to you, you're like, this is just fun. <laughs> it is. I'm like, you know, I, maybe it's part of even as a kid not having read comics. That's I think how I envision comics being as a kid. Yeah, the the like a very G Wiz style comic. And when we were kids, comics were not that. Right. Which, but I didn't know. Like in my head, that's just what 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 comics were like. I don't I don't know if I was even incredibly aware that comics were currently being released when I was a kid. I was aware that there that comics existed in some form. This is a weird tangent, but did you ever read the amazing Spider Man comic that was in the newspaper? I did always read the funniest pages in the newspaper, but I don't recall seeing Spider-Man. Okay, I think he ran in the in the post dispatch. Oh, maybe. But maybe there was like the second or like the third page of the funnies that had like ongoing stories that weren't just one oh, like yeah. strip That's long. Fa- that was Spider-Man. Oh, and like I remember there was something like Camelot or some. Mm-hmm. Yep, and the Phantom. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> can't I just read zits? <laughs> Why is there an ongoing story here? I don't understand. Serial storytelling? Please give me the Calvin and Hobbes, <laughs> which I also often had serial storytelling. But um, what was that? Where was I going with with reading reading the newspaper? Oh, I, I just feel like newspaper comics really, even like the serial ones, are kind of what I thought of as comics because they were like the first ones I read. Right. So it was then weird going into '90s comics and being like, I mean, they're kind of like this, but everybody's. Everybody's so mad. <laughs> Why is everyone so angry? But I don't know. Maybe you would like Challengers of the Unknown. But that's that's the whole deal is they're the Challengers of the Unknown. Again, this expects you to know a little bit about them because they just kind of meet and go, this is fate, boys. And then it's suddenly like they're like, we can we can shoot rockets and pop out of them and we right? take off from space from our mountain. Right? What? <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of in between. You just have to know that they go on science adventures. Right. Uh-huh. But boy, like when they launch from the mountain, they just look like, look at these science adventurers. They look like they are definitely going to go on science adventures. I was so blown away when they launched them in the rockets and like the cover. And I was like, they're in those rock. How did they have this? I don't understand what is happening. And. Just like that was so much. That feels like a very Jack Kirby thing to do, which I feel like in some like Darwin Cook probably gets a lot of inspiration from Jack Kirby. That seems like a stupid thing to say because like everybody does, but <laughs> I'm inspired by Jack Kirby every day. Every day? Every day. You're like, thanks, thanks, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> One time you drew the thing crushing Dr. Doom's hands, and that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> You would love, like, the Fourth World. It is, like, the most Silver Age... Well, I think it might technically be Bronze Age, but it is, like, so bombastic, ridiculous. It's great. Um, a lot of Jack stuff is that. There is, it is, like, is distilled comic book. It is, like, when you when you drip out the essence of comic. There it is. But, again, that's Challenges of the Unknown. 
trying to think of some of the other really relevant stories here. I mean, there's the, the investigation of the center feels like it's probably going to end up the center and Mars. I feel like have to, I've read this and I forgot it, but I feel like they have to. Right. Like this has got to come together somehow and it will all make sense in the end. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure wonder woman will come around and, you know, fight, fight the good fight again. And, I love that Wonder Woman's like, time to speak out. And the president's like, no, no. And then I like that she just was like lounging on Paradise Island, literally just kind of laying on her side, Mm -hmm. just like Mm -hmm. having a snack. It looked very nice. I mean, it looked like paradise. So you're like, why can't I go there and wear a toga? Are Paradise Island and Thymascara different? No, I don't think so. I think they're just too. Okay. I think Thymascara is a retcon name. I'm not 100% sure. I think it was called Paradise Island in the like golden age. And I think they eventually like gave it a cool Greek sounding name. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I, I'm not a hundred percent. Someone, you know. I, I just wanted to make sure that they didn't have like a home and had to relocate to a second home and like something I didn't know about. I mean, I'm not like fully caught up with DC continuity because it changes a lot, but whatever you tell me is DC continuity. <sighs> I have a lot of power. <laughs> you sure do. When Superman eats blue kryptonite, he can shoot out candy bars from his fingers. What kind? Uh, he, whatever he wants. He's Superman. He gives me Snickers? <laughs> just a, Superman gives me Snickers? Just he has Snickers. Snicker fingers? Snicker fingers, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's continuity, baby. I will definitely not ask... Oh, friend of the show, Corey McCreary, if that is the case. No, we don't, we don't need to know the real answer. I give the real answers. It's Chris continuity, baby. Chris annuity. Sinuity. I, it feels like I have Chris annuity and I need cash now. <laughs> it is not the first time that a reference to that commercial has been made on this podcast. Have we made another J.G. Wentworth one? I'm sorry, we that, that is just, you know, in the mid-2000s, it was on a lot of TV stuff. There was one where we did a whole bunch of, like, lines from commercials, like a cold open one. Oh, we did, that's right. And mm-hmm. I did the, like, I had a shirt settlement and I need <laughs> How'd they do it? That commercial's not even that great, like, but it is earwormy. <laughs> So do you, how do you feel about Superman still just in general being like a total government stooge? Like he is so ineffective until like the very end of this comic, he gets a cool moment to be Superman, but like, it feels like he's not, he's like not doing anything. I mean, he was fighting a giant robot in Tokyo. Right. He was, he was doing like, (laughs) yeah, he's fighting a giant (laughs) robot in Tokyo. Okay. (laughs) Those panels are dope. They are super cool, but it is like a little silly. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess, I don't know what else I would expect from Superman of this era. The problem with a lot, with this type of storytelling is it is somewhat allergic to Superman. (laughs) Like a lot of it, like there's a lot of cloak and dagger. Mm -hmm. And recently there was some cloak and dagger in. Was there cloak and dagger in this? Well, just like John's got to sneak around. He's got to go to God. No, I mean the characters cloak and dagger. Those are Marvel characters. (laughs) So one would think that. (laughs) I was like, those are characters somewhere. Yeah. You're talking about them. Wait, they're in this book? It's a, it's a real big crossover. <laughs> oh, I will not edit that out because I have no shame. <laughs> Zero shame. <laughs> Let it happen. 
Okay. Any other references? Is Karen a character that is just for this? Like, Karen and Flag, like... Flag is from Task Force X. I would assume that Karen Grace is probably from stuff like that. Is not someone I'm familiar with, and I did not do the research. I suck. Listeners, (laughs) you're yelling at us. No, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. But it is interesting that, like, Task Force X exists, but it is completely normal people as opposed to, like, what Task Force X is, like, where it is the Suicide Squad, which is mm-hmm. all of, like, the former villains. And this, it's just people who are, in, in, are just very traumatized. <laughs> Sign us up. <laughs> there is a lot of non-superheroes in this, though. Well, yeah, it doesn't feel like a, a superhero book, aside from, it like, seeing Superman... Like seeing Superman fight a robot, like there's no like punching. There's no well, like the Flash has a moment, but it's actually like a clever ruse, right, to get him captured because that's right. Because at this point, like the government hates superheroes. Why would why would they think they could capture the Flash with a net? I maybe they didn't know he could vibrate out of things. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Because he just goes like. Well, then, they know now. Yep. Then I'm gonna try that again. Mm-mm. But then he but then he resigned. Right. He's he, he that's had a powerful everybody. moment. He had to. uh he had to rage quit, rage quit the chat. It was a good moment, though. I feel this. I feel this flash. <laughs> so that's you have to announce loudly before you're leaving a place. <laughs> this place being the state of superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot leave quietly. <laughs> Incapable. I like that John, John Jones, has never shown up in as like the Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. He is either. His, his like, very alien-looking self with, like, the cone head and everything. Or he is, like, his human self, but he has not developed a superhero persona. hmm I can't remember 100%, but I have a feeling that the end of New Frontier is, like, a big, like, we got soups. But I don't right, know if we're there. Right, right. Like, I feel like we're like going there for right. Hal getting, obviously, with the end of this issue, mm-hmm. or end of the fourth issue. Like, Hal's gonna and- be all Green Lantern-y and, you know... Even, like, the genre conventions of, like, the what's popular, oh, like, the, like, weird science fiction stories that are not superhero-y, spy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it is, it is so, like, barely, the fact that the superheroics are kind of pushed to the side, I feel like is, it, and I think I said this last week, it's like, this is on purpose because this is what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And we're just, like, slowly working our way towards superheroics. Right. Right. Like the the three people who remain superheroes in this, for the most part, are Wonder Woman, who I who I guess retires, mm-hmm. and Superman and Batman. And Superman and Batman were like the only like the they were like the fifties proof comic book superheroes. They still had like a running mm-hmm. sort of series. I'm interested to see how it all wraps up and how all the threads come together. And I feel like I'm reserving my overall. I mean. As you probably should, I'm reserving my overall judgment of the the series until its conclusion here. Right. I liked the stuff with Flag and Hal in this, where Flag finally was like, "I scrubbed you from that mission because I really liked your dad." Yeah, that was kind of sweet. But it, it it is it is delightfully like that is that is something you would see in a space movie or like an Air Force movie right. or something. Right. And I I don't know I, I I the the aesthetic of it like it is. 
we're an audio medium, so I hope people are like looking through their copies of New Frontier while they listen to this. But it is it is very hard for me to say like, boy, I don't like that Darwin Cook art because I am absolutely enchanted by it. Mm. A lot of the lady spaces look the same. And they're all very cute. They're little cute round faces. Little cute round faces mm-hmm. with the, the little like Betty Booth boop mouth and, mm-hmm. and big old eyes and cute little button nose. They are they are all that way. That's true. With with different hairstyles mm-hmm. and outfits. And sometimes not like very a lot of it's very little short hairstyles. Mm-hmm. Because they're all they're all being little fifties ladies. Mm-hmm. They're very cute. But, but they're they're very similar. They're very samey. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I like his layouts a lot. I always like when someone can script and lay out at the same time their own story. I feel like a lot of times you get this like very mm-hmm. fluid way of reading. Like I, I find reading it to be kind of like inherently enjoyable, even if like I don't think the plot is like is like the greatest thing on the planet mm-hmm. or anything. Like just the experience of like my eyes going through it feels nice. It looks very nice. My and I I, I just said it, so I don't know why I'm saying it again, but. And it's not just the women. The, the hardest thing for me is just telling the characters apart. And we talked about it last time. Mm-hmm. And they're not in, like, distinctive costumes. And they're not characters that I'm super familiar with. It's difficult but... with the Challengers, too, because they were all introduced at once. Right. For the most part. Other than, like, Red, you know, mm-hmm. who is like, I gotta get out of here, baby. I'm having bad dreams. Right. And then, like, I, I was like, okay, this... This isn't going to be important. I need to know, figure out who this character is and the, the, who this woman is. And, oh, no, it's it's not that important. Wait, it, wait, it is. Okay. But then they're in spacesuits, so you don't really know who's who. <laughs> yeah, that is a little bit of a tricky thing. Um, it's better when they're all in costumes. As, that's what I say. <laughs> give me costumes. Give me costumes or give me... I, I, no. No, good. Let's keep going. I, I didn't want to say death. That feels really dramatic. <laughs> Not you? Dramatic? No. Give me costumes or give me podcasts. <laughs> well, luckily there's no costumes, so there shall be podcasts. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to get into some accolades? Let us do it. Accolades. All right, Christy, what is the best line of this one? Okay, so this is a very strange pick for best line for me, but I felt it so hard. Okay. Um, John John's at the movie, it, his his thoughts, running thoughts here, he's you know laughing at the depiction of Martians because it's so completely wrong. And he, he's thinking the problem with this comedy is I seem to be the only one who thinks it's funny. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is a mood. <laughs> like, oh, that feeling of like, really? None of you all see the absurdity yeah. here? I just, I Like really when I laugh it. during emotional parts of the Fast <laughs> and the Furious movies. <laughs> movies I love, but they're very silly. Uh, what was your best line? You're going to hate me. Uh, my best line is from Hal Jordan, who says, That's a prudent and admirable position, Carol. Fortunately, I don't start for two more weeks. And then she follows it up with two glasses. Uh, it's so yeah. smooth. No? Don't think it's smooth? It's smooth in a way I don't trust. <laughs> I don't trust smooth. Oh, no. 
<laughs> so I was never smooth. Uh, never in a way that felt. I was pretty smooth on our first date. Okay, but you weren't like smooth in like a practiced way. No, I I, I just happened to have a. There was a date. It was a big group date, and I I am in my element in a group, so it didn't. You really were have very to be authentic. You didn't feel. Yeah, that's fair. Like a contrived smooth. Mm-hmm. There is no like rehearsed elements of it or do you th- posturing. Question: Do you think that when Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana play the the incredible tracks, <laughs> do they have to practice it, <laughs> or does that make it less smooth? <laughs> All right. What about your greatest hero, Wonder Woman? For going like awkward if if the if the uh, government's mm. crappy. I, I like the principled stand. Although some might say it's not principled because she just goes back and like hangs out on her little island. Yeah. I just like that she, I, I just, the, I don't love the Superman of this because I feel like he is a little ineffectual. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm, I'm just glad that this story is its own thing because mm. I tend to like a very effective Superman. Right. But the Wonder Woman, I was like, yes, love this. Mm. See, my greatest hero I gave to John Johns. Oh. Because he's trying to get, you know, back to Mars and he finds out there's the rocket and he wants to get on the rocket and is there, but like gets caught by, um, who is that? I can't remember. Here's my running problem. I don't know. All, all They all look the same, but there's someone there that tries to stop him. King Faraday. Yeah. King Faraday. And, you know, he has to make this decision. Do I take the rocket? Or do I save Faraday? And he saves Faraday. Yeah. You... And winds up, like, Im- imprisoned. Right. And then he's like, ultimately, I still think you're a good guy. After Faraday, for the most part, has been terrible this entire time. Right. So. Okay. That's a great, good one. Greatest hero. All right. What about coolest moment? So I've crapped on him this entire podcast. But when Superman's grabbing the astronauts, like, on the edge of the atmosphere, and, like, their suits are, like, smoking... Because they got that close. It's so cool. So I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Until reading your summary, I thought those were the dead bodies of Karen (laughs) and Flag. No, I think they got vaporized. I understand that now, but I'm like, oh. You thought he was just grabbing some corpses. Heroically saving, like... I was like, like, oh, he got them. And then the next page was their graves. And I was like, oh, those were dead bodies. I did not, I did not understand. That's, you know what? That's fair. And maybe that's a, that's a decent enough critique. (laughs) My coolest moment was where we end at in issue four with, um, Carol Ferris coming out to check on Hal and just seeing like this huge, like crater, smash of all of the ceiling falling down and the green smoke just trailing up it's pretty cool i'm like i I don't know if that's supposed to be smoke or energy or what but the green stuff green stuff floating in the air yeah green stuff Mm -hmm. you know this is this is like what people who really like nickelodeon thought the world would just be like (laughs) i thought i'd be slimed Just, just the green, green stuff. Why has no one slammed me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, what about our uh, Crusher Creel Award for silly villainy here? The fact that the cult is called the center, I just can't get over. Mm. I hope that wasn't mine last 
episode. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It sounds like the name of like a church that set up shop in like an old grocery store, (laughs) which does exist in my hometown. (laughs) It sounds like they're like, hey, 7 a.m. worship. You know, we've got. We can see you at the center. Yeah. Cool contemporary music. We got, you know, you guys play electric guitars there. You can even stand up and sway your arms. It's fine. You can you can come in jeans. That's fine. Mm-hmm, Just mm-hmm. fill out this card. Yeah, yeah, and you know, stay for stay for breakfast afterwards. Yes. And then the, then they they try to get you. Yep. Yep. And okay. The, then but- they're like rock and roll music that isn't Christian. <laughs> Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my Crusher Creole Award for Silly Villainy, I gave to the rocket robot in Tokyo. Just that whole... Just its existence? Yes. <laughs> just its... <laughs> it's it presence in this comic. And Superman just, like, just ripping it up and it, like, smashing into him and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, it's really giving Superman a run for his money. And it makes me wonder if it's got, like, kryptonite or something. I don't know. It's shooting green stuff. There's green stuff everywhere here. Oh, Nickelodeon green. lover's dream. <laughs> Oh, no, he's sliding Superman. <laughs> I knew it. All right, girl, what's your key of C? Which, as everybody knows, and if they don't, they will now, is the award that we give for a moment that most feels like it would be represented well by a musical number. Mm-hmm. So mine, uh, the moment of Wonder Woman on Paradise Island with uh, all... All the ladies hanging out and swimming and having a good time and getting trying to convince Diana to come swim too. Uh, In my head, just like a fun little musical number where Wonder Woman's kind of contemplating, you know, having left superherodom and like, what does that mean for her? And like, people are just trying to, like, all her friends just trying to get her to relax and kick back and not think about it. And so kind of that, that back and forth pull Mm -hmm. here that could, uh, get interrupted by superman superman's arrival oh that's pretty good mm-hmm. my kfc award goes to the life of colonel flag oh i thought him like that kind of being presented as a musical number could be good and how he just had, he had a really rough time yeah 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 did I pick mine mostly because I thought like a chorus of the Paradise Island, the Amazon women would just be a lot of fun to watch? Yeah, I did. You're like, oh no, look, just look at all these ladies. <laughs> oh, are we going skinny dipping? <laughs> Jeez. It's fine if we're not, but I, I brought my Nazi. Oh, goodness. Okay, our next accolade. I will go down with this ship. And this can be romantic or not any sort of relationship. And mine, I don't know if mine has to necessarily be romantic, but I was totally into the flag Karen ship. Yeah, that's a daily double. Oh, hit it, Matt D. Wilson. It is brief, Mm -hmm. but the close was really good. Like the art for it was just was just great we have like the three panels of like an imagined life together or two panels of an imagined life together and reality beneath it and then the three panels like exact same size kind of layout of their destruction together and pushing the button at the same time as they remove their helmets and like do a smooch oh they do a smooch you can't quite tell because they're being vaporized. So they might be smooching. I think they're, I think they're going for a smooch. Mm, the mm-hmm. vapor smooch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It was good. Mm-hmm. The final award goes to the goodest hit, which is the best big old punch. 
Right. And I gave the goodest hit to the robot sending the Superman through the, the building. building. Yep. yep. Is that yours too? Yes. All right. We get another Daily Devil. Hit it one more time, Matt D. Wilson. Yeah. That was like pretty much the only big hit. So that was the goodest. It was. Mm hmm. Darwin Cook is really actually very good at drawing Superman. So I'm just shocked he doesn't do it so much. He's got to draw people smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah, well, we have to know it's the 50s, yeah. and how how else could we? I feel like Don Draper is going to show up in one of these issues. I know that's the 60s, but it's the early 60s. Well, right. and then it turns... That meant a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, readers, for sticking with us. And if you are not already, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Chris's Pod. Send us your long-form messages at Earths at gmail.com. And if you would like to support us monetarily, you can do so. We have a Patreon and a Ko-fi links in the show notes. Lots of fun uh, perks for those Patreon supporters. You can tell us things to cover. You can give us new accolades. Um, so make sure you check out those different tiers. And uh, if you are able to back us there. Yes. Um, you can also check out our work at comicsxf.com. We do writing Mm-hmm. Christy is is uh, is mo- mostly posting this pod, but I think there's more stuff in the future. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, life is life is very busy right now, readers, and it will be less busy at a point in the future in which I will be writing more things again. Got yeah. lots of lots of stuff mulling in my head, smulling around, mulling around. It'll, right. it'll get there. It'll come on out. Okay. Um, and also, it's been a while since we've had an iTunes review to shout out on the show. It's been since March, actually. Oof, so. Head on over to iTunes, give us a five star review and uh, give us a review and we will shout or we will say your review out on the show. You can make us say all sorts of goofy and family, family friendly things. We will say them all as long as we will say them. Yeah. <laughs> and until next time, readers. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.